scenario is a hardened heart a good heart nobody ever says yeah i want to have the hardest heart out of everybody i want to be ice cold black no nobody thinks that way and you don't either but you've allowed yourself to live in willful rebellion against god and you have two options you either keep going and you're going to see where the outcome is by the time we get to the end of this message or you can say you know i don't want to be that way on a hard heart A hard heart isn't something we boast about. We'd all rather be open to love and growth and joy. Sadly, though, too many people have allowed their hearts to harden because of circumstances or life events. Pastor Daniel will tell you today that even followers of Jesus have found reason to close their hearts off to their Savior. You don't have to keep your heart hard, though. Today, Pastor Daniel will tell you how to open your life back up to the love of Jesus. Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, as he begins his message, Jesus is greater than apathy. True biblical Christianity is something that you live out every day. You realize that, right? It's, It's real life. The ways that we live give a window into what we believe, and why. And one of the things that I love so much about following Jesus is that Jesus is always inviting us to live out our faith, to, I like to say, put legs on it, to put hands and feet on the message of Jesus. And a lot of times, if you spend enough time going to church, churches like to tell you what you're supposed to believe. Because the Bible gives us this is what this is, and this is what this is. But the key is, is that these ideas are there so that you and I would follow Jesus at, in real life, at real time. I like to call it being at street level, that the message of the gospel of Jesus is not just theoretical or ethereal. It ends up being something that we need to translate down into our real lives. And what we believe is lived out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if you've been traveling with us in this series that we're calling Jesus is Greater Than Everything, right? That hashtag CCC Greater in the book of Galatians, Paul keeps saying you're not saved by works, and that's totally true. See, you and I are not saved by the things that we do, but what we do is an evidence of who we are. Our actions are not divorced from the things that we hold to be important. And the Apostle Paul, and I love this about the Bible, is that we just saw in Galatians chapter 5 this distinction between two different ways to live. One was called the works of the flesh, and the other was called the fruit of the spirit, right? And And if you were here last week, we talked about all these different details, and it was amazing to try and cover that much ground in a short amount of time. I took it as an extra long short amount of time because trying to get all this in there. But you, you ended with this reality that the person who is filled with the spirit of God, fruit is going to be born in their life. And that fruit is going to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and 
goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And everyone was like, yeah, that's it. But now the Apostle Paul doesn't just want to leave it with this concept. But now he's like, let's show where this hits real life. And so today we're going to see the Apostle Paul distilling this fruit of the Spirit, this Spirit-filled life as it relates to two things that all of us and all humanity has always experienced. One is interpersonal relationships, how we deal with other people, and two, our finances. Because no matter what generation we live in, everybody deals with finances, what we have, how we disperse it, what we use it for. And so now this idea of the spirit-filled life goes from being, yes, love, joy, peace. Now it's like, well, what does it look in real time, in real life, in things like relationships, and with our finances. So I want you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to take the first 10 verses. We'll take Galatians 6, 1 to 10 today. So open up that Bible that you brought with you. I want you to see where this stuff is coming from because it's so important. We, we live in a day and age where information is a is a commodity. There's so much of it. It's at the tips of our fingers. And I really want you to see this. I'm not just making this stuff up. This is what it says, and this is what it means, and how it works. And so Galatians chapter 6. And if you're new to the Bible, the book of Galatians, if you see my Bible here, it's about like the last tenth of the Bible. You have the New Testament, you have the Gospels, and the Acts of the Apostles. Then you have Paul's 13 letters. And Galatians is the fourth letter there. There's Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then the book of Galatians. So look at what it says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption." But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, do not let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, I've entitled this message, Jesus is Greater Than Apathy, because you notice that by the end of this section, really this is all about living a proactive life in the spirit. Listen, I need to tell you this, that your spiritual life is too important for you to live it on autopilot. And we have to resist the normal way things go where we become apathetic about our spiritual lives, where we become like, you know what, I'm not going to push too hard. There's nothing that gets me more excited when people say, man, you're taking this Jesus thing too seriously. If you hear that, that's a good, that's a compliment, even though they mean it not as a compliment. 
Because what it means is that you're taking your spiritual life, your walk seriously. And if you are here today and you're in the process of taking Jesus seriously right now, praise God. But there's going to be times when you're going to want to take the foot off the gas and coast a little bit. Sometimes, as we're going to see, as you're serving and as you're seeking to live a spirit-filled life and as you're simply responding to Jesus, what starts happening is you start getting tired, you get weary, you start getting discouraged in the work, and you kind of back off the pedal a little bit. But what we find is that Jesus is greater than apathy. The purposes that God created you is too important for you to coast spiritually. So notice what it says. We go back to verse 1, and we begin with these interpersonal relationships. And the very first one that we have here is we have a hypothetical situation of a believer who finds out another believer is trapped in some sort of a sin or a trespass. Look at what it says in chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what this teaches us first is that we need to build each other up. The role of the spirit-filled person is to build somebody up. Those of you who have a King James Bible or a new King James Bible, they often use the word edification, which means to build up, to fortify, to push forward. You can tell when somebody is full of the spirit by how they interact with something that they don't like. I'm going to say that again. You can tell when someone is full of the Spirit of God by how they interact with the things that they don't like. Listen, when we're in the worship service and we're praising God, it's easy to be spiritual. But when you're confronted with something that you don't like, that really shows, am I in the Spirit or not? And in this case, we have this hypothetical situation of a believer finding out that another believer has been overtaken. Now, that word overtaken, it literally, in the Greek, it has the idea of falling. It's not a deliberate sin. It's not a planned sin. It's not, hey, I have given myself over completely to this thing and I don't care. This is when somebody takes a tumble. They're not trying to make a mistake, but they're in a mistake. And how do we deal with when we find out a brother or a sister has fallen into sin? That we find out here that the spiritual person, you who are spiritual, restores such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. It's beautiful. That word restore It literally, it's a medical term, which means to set a bone that's been broken. What it says is that you and I, if we're full of the Spirit of God because of our faith in Jesus, when we see somebody who's struggling, we go into hospital mode. We realize that somebody has fallen, somebody has made a mistake, somebody is messing up, and we come in in a spirit of gentleness. Wasn't that on the list of the fruit of the Spirit? We come on in and we gently want to reset a bone that has been broken. Why? Because we realize that if you are truly full of the Spirit, you realize that we're all prone to tripping and falling. Now, you realize this is a different type of sin than somebody who is in outright willful rebellion against God. This is different. 
And there are some people who are like, look, I know what God's word says, and I just don't care, right? You can't reset a bone that someone won't let you go near. And I believe, I'm sure there's some people here, you're here right now, and you're like, look, I know what God's word says, and I just don't care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and it's my life. It's true, it is your life, but it really isn't your life because you didn't create your life. You didn't create the air that you breathe. Your heart doesn't beat because you make it breathe. Everything you have is on loan, and so you're a rebel. And the reason you're saying it is because you've allowed your mistakes to harden your heart. And if that's you today, and you're like, I don't care, I want to ask you something. If you're here and you're saying, I just don't care, the fact that you'd even say you don't care actually proves that you do care. Because if you didn't care, you'd be like, well, psh. And I want you to ask God, say, God, will you change my heart if you're real? Will you change my heart? Because what happens is, you know, and we've all been down these roads before, where the first time you do something, you know it's wrong. You feel that internal struggle, but then you do it again, and that struggle is less. And you do it again, and that struggle is less. And you do it again, and that struggle is less. Before the point you do it, you don't even think twice about it. It's just who you are. I have a background with drugs as a young kid and grew up in the church. And I remember the very first time I did drugs, I felt really conflicted about it. I wasn't a Christian, but I knew that it was wrong. Then after you do it again and again and again, after a while, then you don't feel anything. It's just who you are. If you're here and you keep doing it and you don't feel any conviction, you need to say, God, my heart's gotten hard. And listen, in no scenario is a hard heart a good thing. In no scenario. And you know that. Deep down, you're hearing me say that, and you, do, you want to be upset. Like, you shouldn't talk to me that way, pastor in the church or whatever. But listen, in no scenario is a hardened heart a good heart. Nobody ever says, yeah, I want to have the hardest heart out of everybody. I want it to be ice cold, black. No. Nobody thinks that way. And you don't either. But you've allowed yourself to live in willful rebellion against God. And you have two options. You either keep going and you're going to see where the outcome is by the time we get to the end of this message. Or you can say, you know, I don't want to be that way. I don't want a hard heart. But in this case, it's not somebody who's living in willful rebellion. Now it's somebody who stumbled. And our job is to build each other up, to restore somebody. See, the goal when somebody falls into sin is not ignoring it or punishing them or destroying them. The goal is to restore them. To see somebody come along. When someone's got a broken arm and they go to the doctor, you see the doctor comes and he resets it. He puts a cast on it. He tells them, hey, listen, go easy on it. And it's going to heal itself. And then you're going to be able to resume normal activity. See, we always have to remember that the people of God is meant to be a hospital. And if you're here today and you're stumbled, you've been overtaken. I realize that for a lot of people, you don't bring your stuff and tell somebody because... Oftentimes in the church, we have a tendency to want to shoot the wounded. We do. And you tell somebody, and they start talking about it to somebody else. And before you know it, everyone knows your business, and you're just trying to get right. You're just trying to drag that stuff. Listen, we need Crossroads to be the healthiest place because all of us trip and fall sometimes. All of us stub our toes. All of us make mistakes. And we need to be able to build one another up in our holy faith so that we can be restored. And I think for a lot of people, because you're not willing to drag your struggles into the light, that struggle gets worse and worse and worse because no light's being shined on it. But as a truly spirit-filled, 
family of faith, we should be able to drag our stuff into the light. And there's not judgment. There's just the seeking of restoration, of building up, of mutual care. I mean, look what it says here in verse to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. It says, look, there are times when you need someone to help you. You need someone to come alongside and bear the burden. And we are called to bear one another's burdens. Truly what we're called to do is to cast our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. Jesus is Yoke is easy and his burden is light. And Jesus is saying, look, just as I took your struggles upon myself when I dealt with them, I want you to take each other's struggles upon you and help them as they're in the process of getting built up again. We need to build one another up. This reminds me of John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have, one for another. A love that would say, you're hurting, let me help. Your arm is busted, let me carry your groceries. Let me bear with you in this season. Because you need someone to be there for you as you work through whatever's going on. And would to God that the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of the people of God would be a safe place for us to drag our struggles into the light and be able to walk with one another without judgment. Listen, John Stott said it this way in his commentary on the book of Galatians. And I love this. He says, if we walked by the Spirit, we would love one another more. And if we loved one another more, we would bear one another's burdens. And if we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, such or much unkind gossip would be avoided, more serious backsliding prevented, the good of the church advanced, and the name of Jesus glorified. That's a pretty powerful quote, isn't it? Because it shows that when we, filled by the Spirit, walk in the fruit of the Spirit with people who have struggled, what you see is that by us being able to bear with one another, all these things happen. When we bear with one, we don't gossip about them. And then it becomes a safe place to people to bring their stuff into light so things do not progress because people are scared to talk about what struggles. And when this becomes a safe place and people drag it in, then sin doesn't progress worse. The church is stronger. The cause of the church is advanced and the name of God is glorified. All of it at stake in the way that we handle each other in the midst of our struggles. We need to be gentle in resetting what is broken. We need to be cautious and careful. Now from there, notice what it says. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then you will have rejoicing in himself alone, verse 4, and not in another. For each one of us shall bear his own load. Let him, verse 6, who is taught the word, share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, here what we learn is that we need to be humble in self-examination. We need to be humble in our self-examination. We also saw that in verse 2. That when you're seeking to restore someone who's fallen, that we should, notice what it says at the end of verse, or end of verse one, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
right? And then you get to verse 3, and if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, you and I need to learn how to be humble in self-examination. Because oftentimes what happens is, is if you notice or if you're walking with someone through their struggles, oftentimes it's really easy to think, well, I'm not like them, so I must be pretty good. And there's no place in the life of a follower of Jesus for some sort of spiritual pride. You know, it's an amazing thing. This happens a lot in churches that are spirit-filled. They have this kind of, I am better than you, when that's absolutely antithetical to the work of the Spirit. Why? Because you realize, what's the Spirit's job? To point to the finished work of Jesus. And the finished work of Jesus tells us that Jesus died and rose again because we make mistakes. So there's no place for some sort of spiritual or intellectual pomposity in the people of God. That's a good word, isn't it? Pomposity. There's no place for that because we need to always do self-examination with a heart of humility. See, in a lot of ways, the ability to self-examine or to self-reflect actually keeps us from making the mistakes that are so prone to happen. If we were to discern what's in our heart, what's going on, and oftentimes when you're watching someone struggle, you'd be like, well, yeah, at least I'm not as bad as that person. (laughs) If you only knew, right? See, we need to look at what's in our hearts. We need to take heed how we stand, lest we fall. Notice, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So anytime you think you're the the bee's knees, the cat's meow, the all things in a bag of chips, or however you like to clarify that kind of idea, you need to root that stuff out of your heart, because it says if you think you're something, when you're nothing, you're self-deceiving. Now, when it says that we're nothing, here's the key. Because if you do self-examination without the lenses of the Holy Spirit in the shape of the cross, you're going to be quite miserable. See, we have to remember the gospel when we self-examine. Because listen, if you just look online at the right way to act or the right way to look, there's always somebody who is better looking, more successful, better educated, better at your job than you are. There's always somebody that. But the reality is, is that that's when you look at it through the eyes of the natural, as if you're running a race against every person who ever lived and you need to win the race. See, when you let the finished work of Jesus inform your self-examination, when you allow you to see yourself through the lens of the cross... You realize that God knows that you're flawed and that I'm flawed, but God is doing a work. And the self-examination is not to find that nothing's there. It's to find that lots of stuff is there, but God has forgiven us and God is doing a present work by the Spirit. Jesus is real. Part of growing in your faith and avoiding a life of apathy is self-examination. Pastor Daniel encouraged you in his message today to spend some time with the Lord, looking into your heart and your life. He asked you to be willing to change as God directs. This won't be an easy task, but it's worthwhile. Your Creator loves you deeply, wants you to grow in your walk with Him, and He'll help you do it. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. 
find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will discuss what it means to bear each other's burdens. This is a command in the Bible and something that the church was designed to do. Each member should care for the others just as you would like them to care for you when you're in need. You can help lift the weight of someone's load, becoming the hands and feet of Christ as you do. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.